Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan, and we're talking about the Cherokee County DSS. I have the director, Amanda Tanner-McGee, and the legal counsel, Andrea Duncan, with me. We've discussed the CVA agreements. Uh, We've discussed the state uh, and their lack of oversight their, and their lack of training. We've discussed misinformation in the press. Uh, and now I'd like to discuss what, uh, what have we done. You guys have taken over. The DSS has made a 180-degree uh, turn. We're now going in the right direction. Everything is going well. So where are we now? What are the current practices? Or how have you met your performance benchmarks? Uh, how have you done on recent audits? How's it going? <laughs> Thank you. It's going very well. Uh, there will always be improvement. I don't. There isn't a day that I go, to, a night that I go to sleep that I don't think of something that we're that can be improved. That's just who I am. We're passing our audits. We've recently had a perfect Title IV audit, no error cases, um, and we've had um, reviews with no corrective action plans uh, put or added to any review for the child welfare staff. The department is meeting its, its benchmarks uh, and re- it, it performance benchmarks. Uh, we're, we're working to improve certain things that take years to improve, like permanency, um, children's time in foster care, and how quickly they get home. But that is not something that you can improve overnight. It, it requires working with the entire court system. It requires a lot of different things. I couldn't be more excited about where we are now. A perfect 4E audit is uh, a, a wonderful accomplishment. And uh, performance reviews, uh, program reviews for child welfare, both CPS, the Child Protective Services, the in-home and the foster care, where no new items are added uh, to uh, a, a, a performance improvement plan, um, is is a is really good progress. We have a good group of social workers and supervisors in place right now. They are highly in tune to the policies and the practices. I am a driver of um, operating by policies and best practices. And so for me, what it takes is every day working to change and build the mindset, the paradigm of what is it that we do? How do we work with families? What are the policies and the practices that back up this? So that we don't have social workers operating based on their own opinion. We have social workers uh, and supervisors practicing based on best practice and policy and law. And we check that every day. So thank you for that question. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. We're bringing in national best practices with motivational interviewing with all of our social work staff that will help families 
and parents achieve their goals more readily than without a best practice like that. We're offering families uh, more tools and supportive services uh, to help them achieve what they need. We just put a family in a hotel room for three nights because they didn't have anywhere to be. So we're doing everything that we can do right now to be uh, family-focused, Uh, That doesn't always mean doing what a family wants us to do. Being family-focused and family-centered means providing the services and supports that they need uh, along policy and law. And I will say, Andrea Duncan, that your performance in the legal area has been phenomenal. For the first time, we have cases being cleared in court. Uh, You're going to court prepared uh, for court. And so you're really getting things done And uh, that really makes the agency work a whole bunch more efficiently, doesn't it? It it does make it work more efficiently, and thank you very much for that vote of confidence. I appreciate that. Um, Also, a little personal plug here. I think that the hiring of an in-house attorney was a brilliant move. It, It really is a luxury for the department to have that staff available for them, essentially 24 hours a day and sitting right there. So if they have a question, they come to me. All the time. I mean, there's somebody always there. What do, we about, uh, what do we do about this? What do we do about that? But the personal plug I wanted to say, that the special thank you, is hiring a paralegal to help in the legal department. All of this preparation that you talk about going to court being prepared and all of these audits and, and paperwork um, is largely on her shoulders. And it frees me up to be able to do the meetings and the staffings and the conferences and all of the things that I need to do to keep us you know, focused on the legal part with the performance and also with the policy while I have her there being able to draft the documents and things like that. So I think just that teamwork um, is is a lot of how it's, it's moving so much more efficiently. Um, the other thing is we've had the luxury, I think one of the good things after the CVA lawsuit was we were given a special judge to come and hear these cases because several of our district court judges are conflicted out. So in lieu of trying to balance our court schedules within our own judges that are not conflicted out, they've given us a special judge, um, Judge Red Wing. And so he hears all of our cases and has been doing so since, I guess, February or so of uh, 2018. And that is is something that I wish the state could implement in every county because having that special judge, um, he's familiar with our cases, he's familiar with the parents, he knows what they've done and not done, and it really speeds up hearings in that we don't have to rehash all of these things each time. Um, So that's been a luxury. The other luxury that comes with that is he's more available to me, and we've been able to add, I think, six additional court dates in the last six weeks to move some of these older cases along. We still have some cases that we inherited um, from before that need to be moved to permanence one way or the other, and that is allowing us to spend the time we need to spend to get those moving. That's really terrific, and, and that is a noticeable improvement because all of your cases or all of these type of cases require legal court action. They absolutely do. That's that's 101, DSS Attorney 101. We don't make these decisions. The judges do. We can make the decisions, but we have to have that judicial oversight. You know, one of the things is that we can't really seem to get rid of the state hanging over us, can we? And they come in with requirements. And one of the things that I've noticed uh, and is they have this memorandum, memorandum of, of understanding that we've been dealing with. 
uh, and you can speak to this, Andrea, but they require, and I think someone in Raleigh is very deficient in math. They haven't, <laughs> they, they haven't been to school because <clears throat> you understand that uh, smaller counties, when you're talking about uh, guidelines that are on percentage basis, are very, very difficult for smaller counties because if you have 10 cases mm-hmm. and two don't go well, your failure rate is 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you're in a huge county and you have 100 cases and two fail, mm-hmm. well, you're still 98% successful. So that is one of the issues that the state is refusing to change, is it not? The, that's true. Uh, there, The memorandum of understanding is is uh, in place. Uh, our county has um, chosen not to sign the memorandum of agreement for those reasons, that sample size is a huge issue. Um, if we miss one initiation on time, even by one minute, it can throw us out of being in compliance, whereas Buncombe County can miss, you know, 50 uh, and be in compliance. And so we have other challenges as well that many of the of the Child Protective Services cases that we receive have to be, have children that are in Georgia or just over the border in Tennessee. And that places an extreme burden on our staff because we have to work through what we call a border agreement in order to initiate those cases. We don't get the response from the other states. And so if we miss that by a minute, we can be out of compliance. So not only is it a sample size issue, our county is unique in that we border two different states. And it makes it complicated when we have many families that are back and forth across these borders all the time and we don't have uh, a lawful basis to, to do anything in another state without utilizing our border agreement. So, so it's difficult. Um, having said that, I will say that I'm, I'm proud of our team because um, they are achieving their benchmarks uh, regardless of worrying about a memorandum of understanding. Um, although I, I concur with you that the state coming down hard on a county like Cherokee County or any other small county for missing benchmarks uh, when the sample size is really the issue, uh, is problematic. So how do you see the strategic direction going forward for Cherokee County DSS? Right. So strategically, I mentioned earlier that we are working to implement national best practice standards uh, here in Cherokee County. Our social workers are being trained in very, very specific uh, skills Uh, including motivational interviewing and including um, other practices where they will be much more effective working with children who are victims of sexual abuse or victims of physical abuse. They have been trained in forensic interviewing, so they're they're very skilled and are developing their skills still in how to uh, work with children and to conduct these interviews. Our placement, our permanency foster care staff are skilled and becoming trained in how to engage uh, and work with families to support families in achieving their own goals versus the department telling them what they need to do. We view this as a partnership. And so um, safety organized practice is a national model for uh, foster care and permanency that we're bringing uh, to Cherokee County. We're working very hard to make sure that we have adequate training and resources for training 
here uh, we're pushing the state really um, right now to free up training resources. So what we want to do is to bring adequate, uh, appropriate, and best practice training right here so that Cherokee County um, staff have the same access to training that um, the larger counties have. We're back with the Director of Social Services, Cherokee County, Amanda Tanner McGee, and the attorney for Cherokee County Social Services, Andrea Duncan. And um, at this point on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum, we, we need to do what we usually do. We somehow bring it back to the Constitution. And when it comes to DSS, there are some issues that people often complain about, and they deal with constitutional due process versus the protection of minor children. So we need to talk about that uh, a little bit. As you know, the uh, due process is outlined in the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. Uh, The Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by all favor from affirmation. Uh, and then the Fifth Amendment is no person shall be held to answer for a capital crime unless on presenting uh, the indictment of a grand jury. And the most important, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And, of course, the Sixth Amendment talks about the rights of the accused to be confronted by witnesses, Uh, the process for obtaining witnesses in his favor and the assistance of counsel. Now, and of course, in a dictatorship, none of these protections exist. Uh, The government has no obligation uh, in any way to uphold the natural law law rights of individuals uh, because once you become suspected of crimes, uh, there's no Bill of Rights to protect you, and the police will show up at your door at 2 a.m. and drag you out of it. So as a textualist, someone who believes in the written words of the Constitution, I know exactly what that means. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And so what that comes down to is people complain that when children are deemed to be uh, in risk, that it appears to some people that due process is suspended. Is that the case? How do you handle a person, a parent's right to due process with the children who are at risk? Well, we have um, the policies that Amanda was talking about as far as initiation and things like that. The workers go out and, and begin this investigation. The parents can absolutely refuse to work with us. And at that point, um, if it gets to that point, they're very good about, you know, cooperating and and getting that cooperation. But when it it resolves itself that we just can't make any process, we certainly have to assure the safety of that child. So at that point, that is when we do access the due process of the courts, and we would file a petition, not necessarily for custody of that child, but to bring those parents or guardians um, to the courtroom 
to have the opportunity to be heard by the judge and have the judge decide, yes, you are going to cooperate and allow this to happen, or no, there's not enough probable cause for them to cooperate so that that could end our investigation. So those things are available to them. They are afforded counsel in that situation. They are afforded a hearing. They're given notice. Um, they would come to to a court hearing at that point and have all of those opportunities offered to them. So you have a report of a child in danger. How how do you proceed legally from that point? What do you do? Well, yeah, I, that part would be the initiation of the so case. So the, the first thing to know is that when we receive a report, they're not all accepted. Our acceptance rate in Cherokee County is less than 50%, right? So for everybody, every person that calls to make a report, the re, the the screening process is that the allegations must absolutely meet legal definition for child abuse, neglect, or abandonment. And if it does not, if the allegations in the report itself don't reach that threshold, then the report gets screened out. So that's the first test, right? The second one is if it's screened in, then that means we have a legal basis to to assess uh, these allegations. And it is that next phase that's imperative because we don't know. We seek to find the truth. Where are the facts going to take us on this case? And so our process and the training is to gather the information from the children, from the parents, from uh, other people in the, in the scope of that family. And those facts will either lead us to, okay, the allegations are not founded and therefore we close the case with nothing further, or we close the case with, okay, we're going to recommend some services, but we are not moving this forward to, a, to the court process, right? And so it's important that people know that when we go out to assess allegations, our job is to follow facts. It's not to railroad families one way or another. It is to say this allegation says this, and we are simply trying to determine whether or not there are facts that would substantiate the allegation. And um, many cases are closed unsubstantiated. It is a high threshold that we have to meet in order for this case to move forward. So if the assessment determines that the allegations are um, substantiated, the next step, if the children can remain in the home safely with a parent, is to provide in-home services, supports. Uh, can, can we help with housing, safe housing? Can we help with uh, services for substance use that will help you um, be better able to parent. It all goes back to child safety. We don't get involved with a family's uh, life uh, unless it is we have a legal basis to do that. Uh, if a child is determined to be unsafe, so for example, if we show up at a house and there is a two-year-old there and there are no parents, no guardians, no anybody, that child's not safe. We have to take immediate action. And it would be at a point where there is such a safety threat that cannot be mitigated any other way that would be the point where we would seek court um, action with a petition. So there are many benchmarks that we make, and we take it very seriously. We would never move cases forward uh, without a legal basis to do so. And even when there is a legal basis to do so, we work very hard to mitigate those risks and get out of that family's life. So basically what you're saying is you take every precaution to make sure that whatever you do is based upon facts, Correct. not hearsay. Correct. And the, really the only time that you go to court is when the danger or risk is imminent or great Correct. or if the family is completely non-cooperative. Correct. Would Correct. that be about it? Huh? Correct. 
I think there's a common misconception that DSS swoops in and, and takes your children and they come and take the baby in the middle of the night. And I've had um, several incidences where I've had to deal with that recently and it, it's sort of um, humorous to me. And I, I just think if you could watch us work so hard not to take this child. We put so much effort into mm-hmm. not having to intervene <clears throat> and not having to bring them in the court system. You, you would never say that again because it's, it's something that we put a lot of work and a lot of effort into not having to bring the child into care. Well, this is Dr. Dan, and we've had a, an incredibly interesting discussion with the director of the D- Cherokee County Department of Social Services, Amanda Tanner-McGee, and the legal counsel, Andrea Duncan, for the same department, the Cherokee County Department of Social Services. Uh, It's been very interesting to discuss these issues with you, and I hope that everyone has a much better understanding of how the department works, why things have happened the way they have, and how incredibly positive everything is for the Department of Social Services now, that it's under excellent leadership, and I cannot say that enough. So thank you both very, very much for having been a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning.